As I'm sure everyone in the room remembers, I preached on Micah 5 before. It was in December of 2019, but I have preached on Micah 5 before. But I preached on it during Advent. But now we're celebrating Advent in April. And if you don't know what Advent is, it's okay. You're probably a Baptist. But, sorry, that was a bad shot. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It wasn't written down. I probably shouldn't have said it. It was just what came to mind. But Advent is a time of anticipation. We celebrate Advent every year because we're anticipating Christmas. It's a season of waiting. And during Advent, we have all sorts of ways built into our lives that create anticipation. In our house, we have a little calendar. And I think it's a, is it a mouse that we move each day? What is it? I've, we have, we have a calendar that you move each day, and it ends on Christmas. We place presents. We place presents under our trees, and we make our children just stare at them until Christmas. We are creating in their hearts anticipation, waiting until Christmas. Now, some of you, you might anticipate things like Christmas music. Others might anticipate when the Christmas music will finally stop. But we're waiting. Advent is a season of waiting. Advent is also a season of preparation. Preparation for that one day. We buy all the gifts. We set up all the decorations. We put all the Christmas lights up. It's like a mother nesting right before she gives birth, making sure that everything is in order for when the time comes, it will be Christmas. And that should be obvious. It's a rehearsal that we put ourselves through every single year to celebrate the coming of our King. And as God's people We dedicate time. We dedicate our lives with this biblical concept of waiting for God's promised Messiah to come. It's a biblical truth from the very beginning. His people must be prepared for when he comes. This is why we read Micah 5 every Advent season. Because this is where God's people hear that this promised Messiah is coming, but they don't know when. It's like a good scavenger hunt. In the biblical redemptive history that God has given his people, he is giving them clues. He is giving them a place of where this great Messiah will come from. And they are to wait. They are to wait for him. They are supposed to be prepared for him. So these are the two things that I want us to see in Micah 5. How God's people are to await the coming of the Messiah. 
and how God's people are to prepare for the Messiah. How do God's people await God's Messiah? Well, in Micah 5, we see this very clearly, that this Messiah will come, in verse 2, from Bethlehem. But we must also remember that this isn't the first time that this Messiah has been promised. The Messiah has also been promised a couple hundred years before in David, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And even before in Moses, when he promised the king would come. Or even before Moses, back to Judah, when the promise was given. Or even before Judah to Abraham. And even still farther back, when God cursed Satan, he established this awaiting period, this time of anticipation. The Messiah will come, and God's people must wait for him. Do you feel that anticipation? Do you see why it's so important for God's people to wait as this tension is building in their lives for their hero to show up. The story is going somewhere. But why do we need a hero? Why do we need to wait for this Messiah? Why is this storyline, this tension building throughout the entire narrative of scriptures? Well, we began in verse 2. Let's just look at verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. Why do they need a savior? Because they're about to be destroyed. The context of Micah 5 and what we've seen over the last few weeks is that God's people have tried to build a city and they got it all wrong. They had the wrong goals. They had the wrong motivation. They used the wrong means. And the Lord said that they would suffer the consequences of their sin. And this is what happens. They're in their capital city and they're surrounded by a foreign army trying to destroy them. And this judge, this judge has been Struck in the face is being mocked. This judge that over throughout all the scriptures we see, judges being raised out to do what? To deliver God's people and to give the, his people peace. Yet this is not what the people are experiencing. God is using these Nations to judge his people for their sin. Look at their circumstances. They have no hope outside of a Savior. And this promise, this promise of this ruler in Israel that is to come, this should give them hope. And you might ask yourselves, how in the world, when we're surrounded by troops, should this promised Messiah, this promised Savior that is to come, how should it give them hope? 
because the Lord has promised it to them. And that regardless, regardless of how sinful his people are, regardless how or what circumstances his people find themselves in, our Lord comes to his people and makes these types of promises. When they find themselves in this dire situation, a situation that they cannot help themselves, a situation of complete desperation, God still comes to them and doesn't leave them in their despair. God is coming to his people and he's promising them peace. He comes to bad people and promises them hope. How many of you feel like you're living out verse 1? That you're surrounded by enemies constantly. That siege is being laid to you or to a family member constantly. Spiritually. If you deny the, the aspects of supernatural spirits, you are denying a truth of the Bible. We are under supernatural causes that want to harm us that want, us, want to see us lose faith. Are we being truthful with ourselves to this reality that the prince of the powers of this air is trying to destroy us, God's people? Or maybe, maybe it's a physical reality. Maybe you really are fighting cancer. Or you continually are sick. Or you're continually overwhelmed with anxiety and depression. If this is your current situation, maybe because of your sin, or maybe just because sin is in the world, and because of sin, these ramifications happen to all of us. Do you find hope in waiting for this Messiah to come? Do you find hope that God really does hear your prayers and he really does care for you even though we're sinners? And what's incredible is the reality of this truth is that God sends someone that nobody expected. The city of Bethlehem was not listed when all the clans got their land in the book of Numbers and all the cities were told where they would be. Bethlehem wasn't even named among the number. And it's through a Savior like that that God is going to redeem his people from their calamity. But look, notice how 
how this ruler, how this shepherd is going to rule over his people. In verse 4, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He does it. He's able to do it, not because of his strength, but because of his relation, because of his closeness to Yahweh. And he is promising his people peace. He's not handing out vouchers. God is promising there is one to come and he's offering you himself. Not only will the Lord, as we saw last week, not only will the Lord build this glorious city that contrasts every way man would try to build his city, not only is the Lord building his city, he's putting his ruler at the center of it. And your peace is dependent upon your relationship with that ruler. And God will use the weak to destroy the strong. Are we observing Advent today in April? Are we awaiting this type of Savior that Israel is supposed to be waiting for? Well, there's good news. This is talking about Jesus. This is talking about a Savior who has come just as God promised he would. And yet, not everything promised has come into glory. Last week I said there's kingdom building to be done. We, we have been invited to participate in the city building, in the kingdom building that we saw in Micah chapter 4. But God is sending his shepherd king to come and to rule, but he's not in the midst of his city yet. Is this our hope as a church? Does everything that we do anticipate this awaiting for our king to return. Because this is what the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear sins for many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. He will come again, and he will stand forever and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. Look at our, look at our, our um, Easter liturgy for the sacrament for the Lord's table. What do we say? Christ has died, Christ has risen, right? That, that's Easter, right? But then what do we say? Christ will come again. We should be yearning. 
We should be yearning, waiting, and forever hopeful that our king will come. Just as God promised he would the first time, he will come again. Are we ready? Because I t- I'll tell you, I know who's ready. The people that are experiencing verse 1. Those people that are suffering cancer and suffering with anxiety and depression and always being sick and always feeling like we're being overcome by the word, those people are ready. Do you know who's not ready? People who are trying to build their own kingdom. People believe that they've found everything that they've needed in their material possessions. People who think that they just have to achieve one more thing for them to be happy. People who think they can receive whatever they need from the world around them. People who believe that they found the best life now. Those people aren't ready for Jesus to return because they have no need for Jesus. There's people, hopefully not in this church, but my guess, there are some of us who are not ready for Jesus to come back because we've lost sight of our dire situation. We've lost the anticipation of why we really need a Savior. We've been studying Titus in the men's Bible study. And this is what Titus says in chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared. He, Jesus has come. In the fullness of time, Jesus came bringing salvation for all people. But listen to what God's people are to do as they eagerly wait. This, this describes the reality of the true church. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. And to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope. The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all unlawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Does that describe you? Does that describe how you are awaiting the return of our king? Does this describe how you are participating in this city-building effort that we have been invited into? Are we renouncing our worldly passions? Are we living self-controlled? Now, in this present age, Are we wanting to do nothing but good works for the glory of our King? If this doesn't describe you, you're not alone. It doesn't describe me either. But look at what Micah says 
that the people need. Look at, look at what Micah says. If, if this doesn't describe you, look at what Micah says you need at verse 10 through 14. In that day, declares the Lord, I will cut off your horses from among you and will destroy your chariots. I will cut off the cities of your land and throw down all your strongholds. And I will cut off your sorceries from your hand and you shall have no more tellers of fortunes. And I will cut off your carved images and your pillars from among you. And you shall bow down no more to the work of your hands. And I will root out your Asherah images from among you and destroy your cities. Listen to the action verbs in those verses. It is the Lord who will do these things. I will cut off. I will destroy. I will cut off. I will throw down. I will root out your worship of everything but me. These are the types of promises God is making to his people. And this is what God promises to do to his people. He will do a work that none of us are capable of doing. He's cutting out their horses and their chariots, their strongholds, these, these armies, these war tools that they think they're getting, they're becoming safe because of the works of their hands. He's going to cut them off because we can't do that ourselves. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. He will cut off the sorceries of the hands of his people. Those who go to find fortunes. Those who rely on everything but the Lord to protect them. And the Lord's providential hand to carry on whatever comes to pass. Those who misplace their hope for a future to come in anything but Jesus... God will root it out of them. Much like we saw in Micah chapter 2, verse 12. Here's the promise for God's people. Not only will he provide this Savior, but he will root out the sin from your heart. And it's interesting to know or interesting to notice, as we read through Micah chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, it was, it was full of sin, right? Full of transgression and sin. They were making carved images and idols. They were selling for the price of a prostitute. They were just taking from their neighbor. They were thinking about evil all the times in their beds. They did, not only did they not know justice, they hated good, and they loved evil evil. But God is going to the root of their problem. He's going to their hearts. Those things don't just come out of thin air. People who act that way, act that way because it reveals what's in their heart. And our God has promised to act and to purify us. 
that we no longer worship the work of our hands, but we turn and we become worshipers of God alone. They thought that they could build a city that was good enough, a city that could give them enough happiness. They thought they could build a city that looked like themselves and that they could flourish. And God tells them, not only can you not do it, but you will never overcome your enemies on your own. You need someone to save you. And God promises them that he will. God promises these types of people he will save them. And this is what we need God to do in us. We need God to purify our hearts. Because this, this, this story that Scripture is telling, we are not the heroes of our stories. The hero of our story is Jesus. We cannot defeat our enemies. We cannot strike down our idols. We cannot not worship the works of our hands without Jesus. Without him, we have no hope. And it's in this Messiah that God is revealing, not only is he striking at the heart of the problem, but he's giving them so much more than they ever thought they could really deserve. Because he promises them everything. Everything. To the ends of the earth is yours because it's going to be in the possession of their king. Does this give you great hope that God is at work, that God can cut out your sin, and he has in Jesus? He calls us to come to him, to get on our knees and say, without you, I have no hope. And he gives us everything. And look, and look, and look what he does to those who come to him. In verse 7, then the remnant, these people, these repentant people who see their need for a savior shall be in the midst of many peoples. Like dew from the Lord, like showers of the grass, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. God will send out his people into the many peoples, and two things will happen. Either they will be this dew to all men. Dew throughout the whole Old Testament is a benefit for whoever receives it. 
Either God is going to send us out into all the world and we will be a blessing because we carry the message of this Savior. Or we will be like verse 8. The remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations in the midst of many peoples like a lion among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of the sheep. God is inviting his people to participate in building this type of kingdom. And he is sending us into the world. And we will either be a blessing to those people because they were healed, hear the word of the Lord and follow by faith. Or we will be like a devouring lion. That they will hear the word of the Lord and they will not obey. And the Lord promises to strike them down. He is fulfilling his covenant promises through Jesus. He's also fulfilling his covenant promises through you. Are you ready? Are you awaiting the return of this king? Are you prepared to meet this king? Because you will find peace nowhere else. Because it's in this king that we will find peace forever. This is why we're able able to celebrate Advent in April. We are always awaiting this king. Until he returns, we are always preparing ourselves to do this kingdom work. If you're not ready, come to Jesus. He's your only hope. If you're not ready, follow by faith. He promises, he promises you to work in your heart to make you fishers of men. Let's pray.